Well, hello and welcome back to the extended cut. Wow, my voice is super nasally today. Uh, this is fun. Sounds beautiful. No, it doesn't, but... I mean handsome. Yeah, handsome. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Welcome back. Uh, we are continuing on in our midweek podcast where we talk about the themes, scriptures, and additional takeaways from our Sunday sermons. Uh, with me, as always, Pastor Chris Honor. What is up? Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to your dining room table. Good to be here. Yeah. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't want anyone else to be alongside me in this journey. Oh, but shucks. we do have someone else. We do have someone else today, Pastor today. Casey. So would you introduce our guest? I would. Today we have the one, the only, the Gray City OG who was a part of the transition from Corvallis to coming down to Eugene to start small groups to eventually launch a church. These days, he serves in all kinds of areas, from the production booth to the setup crew to the campus. His name is Jordan Girding. We got Jordan with us here today on the podcast. Hey, everyone. Hey, Chris. Casey, good being here with you both. Glad you're with us, my man. Yes, thanks for joining us. Well, we are jumping in to set apart week five. Casey, I mean, Pastor Casey, preached for us this week. And the title of your message was Holiness Lived. Uh, spoiler warning, if you have not listened to this Sunday's message yet, but you're listening to us right now, you might want to hit pause and go over to your favorite podcast platform, YouTube or Facebook, and listen to the message. Come we on back be, here. We, come on back now. We will be talking about uh, and spoiling the message in this. Um, these are meant to work together, but that one first. So please go do that. But... Uh, that being said, Pastor Casey, could you give us a recap of your phenomenal, inspiring, uh, revelatory message oh from gosh. this previous weekend? I would happily give a summary. Yeah, this week we looked at Colossians 1, 21 through 23, as we kind of just considered this uh, continuing conversation around holiness. And yeah, as the title kind of gives away, the direction we're trending towards is now about living holiness. Um, we've gone from, you know, talking about what is holiness to why did humans lose it? And, you know, what were the systems in the Old Testament for receiving this status again? And now we're kind of hit this like really cool moment where we're talking about what we receive in Christ, this new status and identity of holiness. The Apostle Paul kind of unpacks this journey towards holy living through this passage, even though it's just a few verses, um, there's some really deep, rich stuff about just the alienation that we once uh, faced from God, how we needed to be reconciled back into being a part of his community, into being his his child, uh, being restored, being brought close to him, uh, being able to be in the presence of a holy God again. Uh, and then we talked about faith and how that journey starts with faith and it needs to continue on in faith. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of behind the text in this, and as, as you read on in Colossians, there's a lot of conversations just about these uh, philosophical and theological ideas of holiness that many teachers in Colossae were teaching regarding just like the levels of holiness that you could achieve or like how much closer you could grow to God. And like in this passage and throughout the rest of the book, like Paul's just kind of combating this idea that it's like, no, if you are in Christ, you are considered holy and that is your inspiration, your motivation for living in holiness. 
one of the phrases I used in the sermon um, that we will often use in a, a variety of different iterations is that we say, you know, we're living uh, from holiness. We're not living for holiness. And that's a change of posture. That's that's a change of motivation that we're not trying to earn or strive anymore, but we're waking up every day freely receiving this gift from God that we've received through faith in Christ. And now we get to continue walking in that journey. And some implications that I shared on that uh, to wrap up the sermon, we're just talking about that. Um, you know, that means no more self-striving. We get to uh, put away like the effort-based relationship with God. If you're in Christ, you're in. And that is the starting point of where you go from there. Uh, we talked about there not being a need for experiential reliance. You know, so often people use structures in the church or in Christian contexts and communities to kind of like uh, be these bounce back moments where it's like, oh man, if I could just get back to church, if I could just get back in this thing, like then I'll get myself back right again. And it's like, no, it's not about that. Like, and it, it ends up creating the opportunity that these structures and these means within the church are supplements and like support system for the relationship and growth that you get to have in Christ. Uh, but it's not reliant on those kinds of things. And then finally, when we live in this kinds of awareness and confidence of our identity in Christ, we get to combat the lies of the flesh, the world, and the devil that all try to convince us that, you know, we're far from God and we don't, we haven't earned this and we don't get to be in this status and your mistakes disqualify you and all those kinds of things. Like we get to combat that and just wake up every day freely receiving this gift from God. That's good. Yeah, I felt like you did a, a really good job of here's here's what has been done and here's what we do out of it, right? And we can't stress enough the importance of, like, your statement. We don't live for it. We live from it. And we don't live to earn the grace of God. We live because we've received his grace, right? Like, just all that thread continues throughout the life of a of a follower of Jesus. And I'm, I'm Jordan, I got a question for you. Shoot. Just curious, like... What has the reality of like what Jesus has done for us and his holiness that we receive, how has that affected you in the area of this this first of the implications Pastor Case talked about? Just that you no longer have to self-strive. Like how has that reality impacted you? And maybe how is it continuing to impact you? I know this can be a, a, a lifelong journey of this really yeah. setting in, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's this is one of the things that growing up, felt like it was lacking from the, the teaching that I received growing up. Uh, I'm a I'm a 90s child, so <laughs> if that contextualizes anything for anyone, but but just the sense of being a good kid, being a good Christian and getting to a point where it was, man, I've got these I've got this obedience like under my belt. I know what this looks like. I know how to to live it and eventually having to combat this fact that it's like I've built up a defensive fort to be able to say look I've got everything under control mm. and it became a a very combative state if someone would question that or if I felt lacking uh, and and that idea of working through especially I'd say like mid-college years to still ongoing present day where it's what what defines me with Jesus is it how well I can adhere to everything that I've learned and studied and grown in and been in community and adopted? Or is it 
who Jesus says I am and accepting what he's done as the biggest, most important, most impactful thing. And so it comes down to what's more important to me, my pride (laughs) or getting to be connected with Jesus. And it sounds maybe silly to some, but boy, when you finally hit home and go, man, you know what? Like there's part of me that's like, where am I being defensive? Where am I being resistant? Where am I holding out from being real? I know Chris, you and I, right before this, we're getting uh, together and talking and I was just sharing like, I'm having trouble believing that Jesus wants to do a miracle for me or transform or do anything and just like holding back. And that comes because it's some part of me is I'm self-sufficient and it's more important that I get stuff done right Mm -hmm. and not be dependent on God. And and just there's so many aspects that we can twist and turn on that. That's my personal one of it's important for me to be self-reliant and to, to work really hard. And somehow that makes it easier for me to choose to connect to God. But like going through and just being able to really sit with Jesus and sit with the Father and the Holy Spirit and just here's where I am and I'm not perfect now. And I know you want me to be, but you still love me. And the basis of our connection and relationship, the basis of the direction isn't, isn't all these things. These are things you want to help me in because they're good and they benefit the community. They benefit my marriage. They benefit me and my friendships and connections and people I serve. And it makes everything better and good. But it's not Jordan, get that together. And then we'll be in connection. Then we'll be able to relationally be together. It's, Hey, we do this and you come to this and it, it just, as I've, especially even the past couple of weeks been re-engaging of I'm, so, I'm so being self-sufficient here. Like, let's start asking God, Hey, this is something in my life. I don't like, mm-hmm. uh, like getting on and playing games with some of my high school friends and getting worked up in my mouth, not being what I wanted it <laughs> to be doing. And yeah. in the past like month of like, I need to focus. I'm going to just start praying. And it's like, wow, things have changed like miraculously oh yeah, because I'm asking and I'm relying out a connection with Jesus instead of me just like, oh shoot, I'm being a bad witness to my friends who have <laughs> were Christians once and stepped away from it, you yeah. know? Uh, and it's like, oh yeah, when I just come to Jesus and I be with him and I just say, hey, I want to walk in alignment with you. Can you help me? Instead of like, okay, Jordan, come on, like, let's just gut through this. Like, yeah. um, it, it does amazing things. Yeah. yeah, I hear you saying that like when you pivot from trying to, live for it instead and to living from it it makes Mm -hmm. a difference in your your witness and just in your heart posture towards life right like that i hear you explaining that and and especially in the area of self-striving as you were talking it just reminds me of this this book by larry osborne called accidental pharisee right and like if we we look at the things casey talked about in pursuing a life of holiness there's all these ingredients there but if put in the wrong order you easily slip into being a Pharisee instead of a pursuant of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's it, the self-striving is like a, a prime indicator of that. Am I doing this on my initiative, my works, reliance on me because I think, well, what Christ has done in me now, I should be able to pick myself up on my bootstraps. Or is there a, a humble posture of without you, I'm nothing. Would you work in me and, and cause flourishing in my life? Mm-hmm. And so... And what's so encouraging to me about that journey too, is like we find a power that we would never have on our own. Yeah. Like I think about in times of my life where I've tried to like clean up little things, like whether it be language, whether it be what, like whatever it is, like 
that requires so much more work from me when I'm trying to create these like systems of change and like, you know, 21 days to break a bad habit and all these kinds of things <laughs> that you're just like, you're just, okay, if I can just do this for 21 days and then it's like day 17, you're like, dang it, I got to start all over. And like, yeah. it's just a brutal process. But then like, there's amazing power available to us when we recognize our self-striving and we invite God into that process instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I think these these implications you listed, Case, are even worth like just touching on each of them. Like you you went into it a bit, and I thought in a really profound way because you have so many young people that just came off of a conference, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the reliance on how did you say it? Just experiential reliance, right? Not reliance yeah. on experience, but uh, an experiential reliance, like this idea that. You live life, you grind it out, and eventually you just got to like clog your way to that mountaintop to get a deep recharge, right? It's like a deep yeah. cycle recharge. And the image that was popping into my mind when you were talking about it was like, you got these people driving like Teslas and such, and they're driving around all week, but then they got to go sit for hours at a charging station and get that like deep charge experience yep. to, to go out and do their thing again. And I, I believe like the, the other side of what Jesus actually offers is like, no. When you come home at night, you park in that garage and we'll charge you up right there. Like there is an ongoing filling and charging available when you're living from the holiness of God rather than for it. Like it's not about I got to go perform so I can earn admission into this experience. And experiential reliance is just like a dog chasing their tail because you never are actually satisfied if your life is about a moment instead of the power of God and what he's gifted you, giving you momentum in your everyday life. And that just, I think that like, if anything, you could, you could have preached a sermon just on that and what it looks like. And I I thought you did a good job of highlighting it, but man, that really requires us in a day and age where we have access to so many conferences and everything online or in person, like to, to realize, like, am I living for that? Right. Or is that just a point where I get to go, you know, have some sort of big centralized family reunion, family reunion type of thing, right? Like they're important. We love them. We do them in our church family. We promote them, but not because we limp into them and that's what then fuels us for the next 12 months. Yeah. Right. Right. No. And I, you know, I praise God when he does work and do miraculous things in and through them. And to some extent, you know, we, we, we do count on him to show up and, and to, to do some really special things, but we have to hold those expectations with an open hand because we just don't know like what that's going to be. Your experience at ENC conference 2023 could be very different than what you experienced in 2024. And you could be disappointed by that reality, or you could choose to look to the father and say like, okay, why was this different? What were you working on instead in this space? What opportunities did you provide for me instead? Because I think like ultimately too, like experiences are just so nuanced, like Mm -hmm. the season of life that we're in as we're walking into them, like the, the specific things that God wants to do in or through them in a different season, like there's always changing and we just can't count on these systems and structures to be the thing that gives us that little like, you know, five hour energy in the morning to get us like moving into our day. Like we, we need something that's sustainable, something that's consistent. Cause what happens if, ENZ conferences go regional again and now all of a sudden you're not worshiping with 5,000 people you're worshiping with 800 people or 1,200 mm-hmm. people and it's like a very different experience and um, 
So, I, you know, we need something that can transcend through those, you know, mountaintop moments that are great. And I love them when I do get to experience them and when they, you know, end up bringing fulfillment and joy. But can't count on that to be everything. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, even um, touching almost on that new Christian experience where it can be hard because sometimes it's so powerfully met that it feels like, oh, this is the basis of Jesus's transformation. He's done something where I, I so abundantly and clearly like something's happened and you get enough of those where it's some big movement moving forward and then it's well what happens when I'm not experiencing that mm. is something wrong with it is my relationship off and because there's all these learnings of the practicals and good spiritual engagements like reading your bible and prayer and being in community and because we're so prone as as humans to start looking for connections to make sense of things like that idea of the fear of, well, does this mean something relationally with me and God has changed? Um, What's gone on? What's happened Mm. here? And being able to have um, that perspective where a lot of what we're sharing is like, yeah, Hey, we we've learned not to rely on that because we've been around the block and we've done that before and we've gotten burned. Yes. <laughs> you know, been there, got the t-shirt and gotten it taken away from us. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and just, I, I know with the, the college students we have in this church and, and those who are new in their faith of learning, like, Hey, experience is great. Mm-hmm. That's, that doesn't show God's love for you. That isn't the, the sign to, like that he's there or he's, he's not there. It's just a sign of, hey, you got a moment where things became really clear for you um, and that's great and that's amazing. They should be pursued, but that is by no means the definition and defining factor of God's love and his relational closeness to us all the time. That's really good. I think the heart posture in which we come into those moments is important as well because imagine if you had a room of 5,000 people, but every one of them was just coming in to receive. There would be nothing to receive. You'd have an extremely overdrawn account, right? Like... Rather than people that are coming to, as an offering. And when we bring a group somewhere, we really intentionally try to gauge like, okay, how do we make sure we're bringing an offering, contributors and people that need to receive in this moment because of the nature of like a student conference, so to speak. But I've found that in my pursuit of holiness and as I walk out this journey that Pastor Casey talked about, I enter into these moments absolutely expecting God to show up for me, but I'm there to contribute as well. I'm there like, hey, I, like, use me. Like, it's it's a, it's a, there's reciprocity in it. Like, yeah, how can I yeah. give and receive? And just that idea of what does a mutually ministering moment, which a conference should be, look like? It looks like a bunch of people coming ready to be used by God and encounter him through, through both receiving and giving. And so... Um, I think that's just something to be aware of in in our maturation is that these experiences should be increasingly balanced as we move forward. And, you know, some of the students ask me, it's like, oh, P. Chris, like, why do you, why do you come to these? You know, you're, you're," I'm like, because this is like an an offering. Like it's a blessing. I get to come and, and I receive because I'm contributing. Like God meets me in my sacrifice and my taking time away from family to be here because that's what we do. That's family. But it's, it's not about me just come and seeing what I can get. It's God use me work in me and then reveal yourself to me through that. And so that's, I think the, the maturation of the experience yeah. lends itself more to that. 
Yeah, and I think to contextualize this beyond even just conference culture and things like that, um, you know, I, I think about even the experiences we rely on to sustain our faith as we, like, ask things from God. Like, you know, the time that we pray for someone and see healing or see a miracle or see breakthrough, and it's like, that's so, like faith building and so inspiring it's something that can really like interject us for like moving forward you know that's that's why they say like you know young new christians are like the best evangelists because it's like such a recent thing to them mm-hmm. that it's like this is so new to me i'm ready to go do it but then over time as you follow jesus and walk longer so many people like will end up trending away from that and evangelism is a less present part of their life because it's this like less fresh experience and I could just see that, like, another way this plays out is in, you know, the moments when we're not experiencing God do things that would typically fuel our faith and expectation and hope. You know, what happens when you have somebody who is very sick and you pray for them to get better and they don't. Or you are experiencing a really hard breakthrough and you trust God, you bring it to your community, you invite people into it and you don't see that breakthrough in this lifetime that you hope that you hoped would happen and needing a faith that goes beyond that. And I think that's one of my, you know, I've, I've thought about this recently is like one of my concerns sometimes in even how we, you know, proclaim the gospel message to people and making sure that we are really thorough in what we're inviting people into, because often people come into you know, the community of faith come into relationship with Jesus in these like really low broken moments where they experienced breakthrough, where they experienced healing. But what happens a year or two later when they're not having that same kind of experience that they once had, and now all of a sudden they're like questioning God and they're like, well, this is what he did for me before. Why isn't he continuing to do this and all these kinds of things? And how do we have a faith that is maintained through the highs and lows of our experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. The things that can often just really, you know, defeat us when, when yeah. we don't get to experience that. Well, that, that piece that you pointed out, it is beyond this type of experience. And it, it goes into all areas of life where when feelings change, how do you still display and devote your affection towards something in a unconditional, unchanging, extremely faithful manner. And it is absolutely ridiculous to think that you're going to feel the same way about something in your little butterfly feelings today as you are in two years. But we cannot base our conversion and our faith and our love in other areas of life and relational affection based on feelings alone. Right. And so that's why we don't preach a gospel of, did you feel Jesus in your life? Like, Sure, you're going to feel something. There's going to be an emotion. But at the end of the day, do you realize that you are functionally unable to lead your life? <laughs> like, to, you're not the best, most qualified person to lead your life. Do you realize that Jesus is? And are you willing to say yes to him to be Lord and save you from yourself? Or are you just saying, I just really feel the presence of Jesus. So, of course, I'm going to say yes. Of course, I'm going to get baptized. I feel him. Well, Let's talk in a couple months, you know, and I don't want to minimize feelings, but feelings do not fuel a faithful life. Oh, that's literally uh, preaching right there. I like that. (laughs) The feelings don't fuel the faithfulness, right? I like that. So, yeah, I I just think of uh, a metaphor and simile 
um, for for that is you know I think with my wonderful wife Katie where she you know informed me like hey you know a year ago I got informed that or two years ago I got informed we were married six months so it's two, been two and a half years you know and and the amazingness of it is like do I feel constantly all the time, all the butterflies and excitement of all the dating period and when we were just married? No, <laughs> but the level of commitment and what I'm willing to do and sacrifice is so many exponential yes. multiplications beyond that. And yeah. what I would do because of the commitment I've made and I've walked out and stood beside it. And sometimes like those great butterfly feelings come in and in those moments and times, but other times it's just, you know, we, we say we love each other a lot back and forth and there's never the question of if it's just politely being said or just being done. We both know that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something in that when we learn what commitment means, yeah. that it's beyond the feelings and that just because we don't feel something doesn't mean something's wrong because our culture tells us feelings yeah. follow yeah. action. Yeah. And feelings don't necessarily follow action all the time. Yep. They, they may come later, but boy, what commitment gives and that assurance and like that foundational solidity yeah. that we get to experience of, well, I can question myself, is this really truly important to me? Even though I feel I'm like, no, like I can put myself in some little basic mental scenarios and I know how I would react like yeah. unquestionably. Uh, and, and just it's so many more times mm. uh, with Jesus and I can think through my life and, and different times where we call it sometimes Christian colloquially is going through the desert or yeah. going through the wilderness. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. That, it makes me so thankful for the testimony of like believers who have been walking on like before us, ahead of us and the stories they get to share about God's faithfulness mm -hmm. through those like highs and lows. Um, because I think, you know, so much of the time, like testimonies are really only highlighted like when things are new or like these really peak moments and things. And it can be really hard to share testimonies when, when that's the other way. But when you get to hear those stories of someone who's been through like a really hard tragedy or someone who has like endured through a, a very difficult season, um, through a severe illness or something along those lines, and you hear about their faith declared in God and the, the, the ways that they have grown to trust him and to be so thankful for his presence and his peace and all these kinds of things that it's like, wow, what a, what a life, what an amazing testimony to the things that God does for his people. Mm -hmm. And it gives us a lens and a framework for pressing on, uh, not just in these, you know, mountaintop moments, but when things get really hard, it gives us theology and vocabulary and, and just so much more depth to the life that's available to us in Christ. That's really good. We could go on for a long time on that one. Just things keep popping in my mind, but yeah. for the sake of time. Um, I really appreciate the verbiage of the point of, it gives us confidence to ignore the lies of the flesh, the world, and the devil. In discipleship conversations, I often find myself petitioning people to have the confidence to not entertain the lies of the enemy, yeah. right? To not entertain the temptations, the schemes of the devil. And um, it, it's a very obviously similar verbiage, but it's like, hey, you know what truth is. Don't even enter. When that stuff comes in, don't even entertain it. Like, close the door, yeah. tell it where to go, right? And, like, this verbiage is just, it's really acutely pointing that out. Like, this gives us confidence 
to absolutely ignore the lies of the flesh, the world, and the devil, like the things that would come against your pursuit of holiness. And so I just love to hear the confidence to ignore where, like, where did that come Mm -hmm. from, from you? Like what was stirring up inside of you, maybe at a broader context as you developed that preach preach point? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, maybe at the root of that is, and I, and I talked about this some in my sermon a few weeks ago, is just like, there is such a real attack of shame on each of our lives, um, that, that the enemy wants us to, believe and be discouraged by um and that's something that you know doesn't always lead us to a point that we abandon our faith or give up completely or walk away or anything like that but it can really like can really damage our perspective or it can damage our willingness to engage in the really healthy and good things that god has provided to us and and so i think like at the at the root of that was just trying to recognize that like there's this shame and this insecurity that each of us feel to varying degrees as we walk out this life in following Jesus yeah. over our identity um, because of our shortcomings, uh, because of our, you know, the just the things that are broken in each of us. And there are just so many instances where uh, we just are faced with these discouraging lies that can really disrupt our whole day or whole seasons of life um, from from getting to walk in the fullness of what Christ actually offers us and has said is available. When we feel these kinds of shame attacks in our life is to learn how to preach the truth of who we are in Christ mm-hmm. to ourselves. I've, I've seen like some people will go and they'll, they'll like print off a certain Bible you know, like maybe 25 Bible verses about like what God has said about each of us. And they'll, you know, tape it on their, their mirror in their bathroom because every day that's when they look in the mirror, that's the things they want to be, um, you know, reminded of. And so we got to find those kinds of things. What is it that encourages us and builds us up to help us actually have this confidence uh, so we can attack the lies of shame that we uh, are so prone to experience. That's good. Yeah. Uh, what I love about that, Casey, is the the you taking mature responsibility because there yeah. there can be the times I'm even thinking of some some points myself where it's like, oh, there's this. Will someone else tell me about that? Or Jesus, like, can you come combat this for me? And instead, of, like, there's that point of maturity where it's I'm going to recognize what's already been done, and then I'm going to own it, which means that I'm going to to step up to bat instead of asking someone else. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's good. good. Well, Pastor Casey, at the end of the day, what's your heart for our church regarding God's holiness and what we're supposed to walk in, given that this was holiness lived? Yeah, I mean, uh, getting to live out holiness is not something that has to be this uh, burden filled, you know, like really heavy like you're just carrying this weight on your shoulders, but in Christ you've received help and you've received the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk this out. And you're not going to be judged on your performance of like how well you do or don't live out holiness from now. You just get to freely wake up 
and receive that status from God. The you know we shared a, a psalm, I believe it was, uh, that says you know your God's mercies are new each and every day. Um, we get to start our day with that recognition that God's mercies over our life are new, and we just get to start from there, receiving His power and uh, getting to walk with Him and His help. Um, Matthew. 11 says that you know the the burden is light when we have christ as our help and i think so many of us walk around with really heavy burdens as we're just trying to do everything that's right check off all the boxes do all the things that can make us holy um and you know we we just get to receive this and and walk this out with christ and through the power of the holy spirit it's just a, a beautiful thing that changes our posture, uh, that changes our attitude, that combats the shame. Like it's it's an amazing freeing reality, freeing reality that's available to each yeah. of us. That's good. As you're sharing that, I was just reminded. Like we started the series with this phrase that I said. Oftentimes, holiness is more observed than experience. Give or take a few words yeah. in there, and this message connected the dots from observation to experience. This was a life lived, how we experience that, what that looks like in practical application. So praise God for that. It's not something that we just gaze upon. It's something that we walk within. And so, um, yeah, that concludes it for today. Thank you all for for listening in. Uh, Make sure you're checking out social media at Grace City Eugene or our website, gracecityeugene.com, or your email if you're in our in our uh, email list to see what's going on. We got some socials coming up. We got men's and women's weekends. We got all kinds of fun stuff. I believe we even got a, a prayer and worship night coming up here soon. And so um, just be, be keeping tabs on things. If you have any questions, you can always stop by the Connect table on a Sunday. But Always blessed to spend this time with you. Look forward to seeing you Sunday and talking with you again next week. So grace and peace. We'll talk to you soon.